Welcome to the new episode, this special episode of Yoshiden. I'm here with Steve Katani. And Steve, thanks for doing it again. You were fantastic for that um, the Stanley Cup championship winning LA Kings. And I uh, had a terrific time doing it. And um, I hope you keep doing these kind of podcast radio. Um, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I like the way you talk. It's really fun to talk to you. And um, thanks for doing another episode today. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Yoshi. <laughs> we've gotten the preliminaries out of the way. Yes. Which is, we've gotten preliminaries, a, a movie show, and a Los Angeles King podcast. But now, now we're getting to the good stuff. Right. But before we jump, I, I, want, I like to make a couple of notes. Today's July 7th, and unfortunately, by now, for those of you who kind of follow my Twitter account and things like that, I fucked up badly. I uh, screwed my uh, friend, great friend Rick Hall. I was watching over uh, house in his place. I lost his cat. As of now, it's been about 44 hours mark. And I never own a cat. I, I don't know what to do at this point. I am reaching out to people for help. I just did a talking shit podcast. Thank you, Eddie F. Uh, left a message on the podcast with Lachlan and Joe and uh, Ernie and Jason, who those of you who follow the podcast. And, um, you know, they, they were kind enough to let me talk about it, left my uh, the telephone number, and hopefully people will come and help me next uh, five or six days over here. So um, I, I know everybody who tells me that uh, I didn't do it maliciously. It could happen to anyone. And I, I would say the same thing if somebody else did it in, in the same spot. But when you're the one doing it, it doesn't matter what people say. You just feel bad. I fucked up. I don't have any excuse. And... Um, I'm glad you you helped me last couple of days with this, Steve. And uh, I know people joke around. I don't have a problem with it. Um, but uh, I fucked up. I feel bad. And I hope by the time you're listening to this podcast, uh, maybe a week or two weeks from now, um, I hope I have a good news by then that, that we find the camp. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very disappointed. There's always hope. Yeah, there's always hope. Um, so, Juanito, uh, if you're listening to this podcast... This is the name of the cat, and uh, yeah, I, 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 it's not really easy for me to be attached, and I have to say, but uh, almost three-week mark, the cat will every morning will try to wake me by scratching my head, and I have to say, I really like the little there's, bugger. He's I was surprised to find that. Mm -hmm. Very sweet little cat, and he had a nice home here, and his papa took good care of him. So there's there's still some hope, but you shouldn't, Yeah, don't crucify yourself. It wasn't like... So I want to thank um, our good friend, Melinda and George. They, they, they helped us. Um, um, they're kind people. On, on, the, on their free Sunday, they drove over here and helped me literally the whole day without a complaining. Uh, I want to thank Steve. Uh, you did that for me, too. And um, Nothing to it. Uh, Jessica and everyone. Uh, I forgot the other person's name, but downstairs in the room one at the place I'm staying, they were kind of not helping Allison me. and Monica, I think? Yeah, that's it. And, I, think uh, that's the, I, I don't know them, but I think they were helpful. Names. Allison and Monica. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. And uh, Rick's friend Jessica was here yesterday to help me look for the cat. Unfortunately, I haven't found it. 
um, I'm, I'm going to keep looking for it. And then I, I have to say, you know, it's like, it's, uh, I, I like to have more empathy, but it's really hard. But now that every time I see people looking for their pet, those uh, flyers, I think I'll be more attentive, you know. And right. I fi- I, I'm, I'm surprised, like, when I was walking around like a crazy person last couple of day and a half, shaking the bag of cat food and calling Juanito, and every, time, every once in a while people stop me and say, hey, can I help you with something? So um, I could get incredibly cynical, but I'm surprised how helpful people have been. And uh, they haven't abused me by calling my cell phones, you know, fuck with me. So none of that. So it's, 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 it's nice to see that side. But overall, I wish I wasn't in this spot. Um, so and uh, I, I ruined Recall's uh, vacation in Japan. But um, uh, he couldn't be more gracious. He couldn't be more kind. I know he's devastated, and uh, he could have called me all the names, and I deserved it. But uh, he he he, uh, uh, he 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 was gracious, and um, and anyway, I I like to thank all the people who are helping me with this. Now, um, I'm very lucky because uh, uh, for whatever reason, last four or five days, I just happened to be seeing Steve every single day. And uh, I thought Steve was leaving, but you 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 came up with this brilliant idea, the subject that uh, we'll be talking. And in fact, this subject is such an interesting subject, well, at least for me, that it's going to take more than one episode because I think uh, once we air this, maybe other people who are involved in the subject matter might want to uh, remind you certain characters from this story, uh, incident that happened in this place, and uh, you know, it might lead into other things. But um, would you mind talking a little bit about introducing everyone what we're going to talk about today and why it is kind of interesting to us? And I'll go well, from there. It's, it's a subject uh, very close to my... Well, we were talking earlier about... You mentioned to me, Yoshi, that I should write a book. Yes. And I my response that. was, I don't know anything about anything. I really don't. I mean, I, not beyond... Uh, my knowledge is pretty shallow in the few subjects that I'm interested in. However, I was reminded of the fact that there is a certain little video store that there once was a video store in this town which was a it was a scene and there's actually a lot i know about that scene Mm -hmm. i only know parts of it parts of the history but my experiences there and my knowledge of the scene that was this video store is pretty vast and what was the name of the place the video store was called mondo video agogo now there was a lot of mondo videos in this country, uh, especially back in Mondo means world, right? Mondo means world, world, the Italian world, the mm-hmm. Italian word for world. And in the 1980s, uh, there were a lot of, and extending into into this, into recent decades, uh, there was the you know the rise of the mom and pop video store. So there's Mondo videos, sure, all over. But this one was Mondo Video Agogo, and I I I I will talk a little bit more later on. I've been there. And this place, I feel, I feel like a, there was a bit of evil energy to the place. That's what I felt. That was my experience. And I met a world famous a guy named Jimmy Beck. We'll talk a lot about him later on. But uh, can you tell, like, do you, do you even know how long it's been around and what was your experience in finding this place and why it's such a, like, an interesting place? Absolutely. Uh, buckle up. And sit back because it's like l- listening to the Lord of the Rings. 
This is an epic story. It's more it's like epic. Lord of the Flies. And uh, <laughs> if, and it this the the stories uh, the the characters are so rich and so well rounded that you really can branch off. You can, you can get lost in it when trying to retell the mm-hmm. the story of Mondo Video Go Go here in Hollywood because there are so many interesting characters and only a fraction of them I knew. And of that fraction, uh, there was only a few within that group that I know well enough to talk with any degree of authority on, you know, uh, I'm still in communication with or I know a lot about them. Sure. Still, there was a whole hit parade of colorful characters that were a part of the Mondo family sure. um, that preceded me. But I'm still great friends with a lot of those people, including the aforementioned Jimmy Beck, yeah. James Andrew Beck. What a unbelievable! I know uh, I'm not being I'm being serious. What one of the most interesting person I've met in my life, and um, very unusual person, very funny, and what a character! A kamikaze pilot, comedian, mm-hmm. literally uh, a guy that, at least in his heyday when he was working at the store, he was. I didn't know he worked there. Jimmy Beck worked pretty regularly every other Sunday night, pretty regularly, I should say. Every other Sunday night, mm-hmm. he would work from 8 until close. He was the, he would be there at any time because not only was it a place where a lot of the people that worked there would have to be there, in their off hours they would still hang out at Mondo, which is very interesting. I mean, we don't go and hang out at places you know, on our days off that sure. we work at. Well, it it was it was a scene, and it had uh, it went through a lot of uh, mutations. The scene started out as one thing; it became something else. It mutated into something else. It kept it kept changing as the clientele changed. But of course, the the same motley core of individuals that were in the uh, the the star system there at Mondo Video remained, and for the most part. People would come and go. Some people would. You know, die. Some people would just kind of fade. What, into I mean, what, what do you mean, die? Are you well, serious? A lot of the a lot of the Mondo family, um, over, including uh, one of the co one of the original co owners, Rob's brother passed away a few years ago. Although he wasn't associated with the store for Rob. Good, what's the Rob's full name? Rob. Um, Rob Schaffner. Okay. Is the uh, he and his brother started Mondo Video? I is that where you? Where you want me to start? Where we? How did you? Uh, that's that's why. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just. Then I'm gonna. I'm just gonna dig right in. Mm-hmm. They started the store. I believe like the late 1980s, early 1990s, 1990s in San Pedro, California. The store was started by Robert Schaffner and his brother Bruce. Okay, are they Jewish? No, I think no. Schaffner's a German name. They oh, okay. Might, they might actually. I think Rob even, unless he was joking. Yeah. Uh, hinted at maybe like some Jewish ancestry there, but no, I think they're predominantly German. There was a film director, Frank Franklin Schaffner. Okay, and they spelled the same way. Franklin Schaffner directed Planet of the Apes and Patton, which we were just talking oh, about. Oh Jesus! Earlier. Anyway, so San Pedro. Okay, they opened San Pedro, mm-hmm. California, and uh, their dad, an an enormously engaging and colorful gentleman named Art Schaffner but more colloqui- colloquially known as Captain Art. Right. Simply Captain Art. Captain Art helped fund uh, Rob and Bruce going into the video store business. And uh, 
I, you know, over the years, I got to know them very well. Uh, in the two, early 2000s, I got to know, well, I should say I got to know Rob very well because there was a split between the two brothers, which we'll go into later. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was after the split. How did you meet them, by the way? Well, uh, oh, and, I, oh, how did you find out about Mondo Video? Sure. Um, if you want to get super technical about mm-hmm. it, here's how the first time I ever heard Mondo Video mentioned. Uh, I wasn't living in L.A., but I was visiting Hollywood in 1999, and I started to go to see movies at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, which to this day is still uh, the programming home of the American Cinematheque. One, it's their main theater. It's a they beautiful also, facility. Yeah. Beautiful facility. They also have a, a sister theater in Santa Monica called The Arrow, which everyone should go to. Everyone should become members of the American Cinematheque. Sure. I'm not affiliated with them, but I'm a tremendous fan. And to a certain extent, I'm, I'm a, a casual friend of the, the Cinematheques. And in the summer of 1999, I was out here visiting, looking for something to do, and I saw that there was a festival going on uh, at the Egyptian, which I hadn't been to since long before its remodeling and renovation. Sure. Uh, And I went to that festival and said, this is great. I loved it. I had a great time. So when I, I got back to Colorado, I kept up with what was happening out here before I officially moved back. And I noticed in September of 1999... They mounted, which would which would become either the second to the last or the last major retrospective of Russ Meyer's work, with Russ Meyer appearing uh, for Q and A's following many of the screenings. By the way, uh, for those of you too young to know who Russ Meyer's movies are like or what kind of movie it was, let me be blunt: he had many many attractive women with big tits. In fact, over the weekend, we saw Roger Ebert's documentary. Right. Roger Ebert actually made a movie, uh, wrote a script for which movie was it again? Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, and, and basically, if you watch it, it's if it's every teenage boy's fantasy, seeing women with those gigantic tits jumping <laughs> up and down. Meyer had done, uh, mm-hmm. st- he had done a, uh, a very rich, hypersexual, comic book fueled uh in the 60s he had he had done some really great down and dirty but hyper hypersexual uh very well crafted sexploitation movies sure and uh even though there was uh, a lot of that stuff being churned out at that time he was obviously an enormous talent he had well Russ is another podcast, but yeah. uh, anyway, he, they were mounting a, a huge retrospective of his work. Russ is gone now. He passed away maybe 10 years ago at this point, but this is 1999. So you went? I did not go. Oh, you didn't go. Okay. But I, I re- I, it was on my radar, and in doing my research about what went on, the screenings, the quality of the prints, who were the special guests on hand, it, w- it really was a big celebratory thing. It came to my attention that Mondo Video were largely involved in providing transport for Russ, uh, providing a lot of the special guests, promoting it. I think they had kind of ingratiated themselves because they did have a relationship with Russ. I know Rob had done uh, some radio work, some you know, kind of shuttling Russ. I around. didn't know that. By this time, Russ was. Uh, Started, he was in the beginning stages of, I believe, Alzheimer's, which would eventually uh, uh, leave. I didn't know that. Yeah. Russ was, you know, um, you may not know this, but Jimmy Beck worked for Russ Meyer. 
What? Jimmy Beck was Russ Meyer's driver for a short period of time. Okay, it, I don't remember hearing about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jimmy probably was, my guess would be that Jimmy was instrumental in linking Russ Meyer to the Mondo family because Jimmy oh, wow. had, and he was telling me it was very casual. He was uh, looking for work and he was, it was almost like something out of a, like a movie or television show. He was flipping through Variety and he sees an ad, Russ Meyer needs a driver, inquire here. He contacted You're them. you kidding me, just like that? Just like that, he went up there. I don't know what the competition was like, what? but he told me, unless he was, unless he was uh, concealing the truth, Jimmy told me that he put on a crisp suit and tie, went up there for an interview, <laughs> met with Janice, yeah. who is still the gatekeeper of uh, all of Russ's business affairs and personal affairs, and met with her for the quote-unquote interview, and Russ saw him or heard him and said, what does this idiot got a suit on for? Tell him he's got the job. Like, you know. Did he call him an idiot? Or, you know, this was yeah. just, I think he was, you know, he was being Russ. Like, yeah. why does jackass wear a suit? Something like that. Yeah. If, if we ever have a chance to interview Jimmy. Oh, my God. That's my dream. Him. So he hired Russ. Mm. Uh, excuse me. So Russ hired Jimmy. And for the next four months, six months, a year, Jimmy was the full-time driver for Russ Meyer. He oh was, I, I think if I, this is where Jimmy would be far more helpful to talk yeah. to. Uh, so I'm just basing it off of conversations I've had with Jimmy uh, over the years. Jimmy was uh, hired to drive out to Palm Desert where Russ had another compound. Mm -hmm. But I think they were consolidating things and they would, he was moving a lot of materials back from, the Palm Desert compound up here in the Hollywood Hills, sure. where Russ Russ's A frame is still there. There's still a, a you know the the house that Russ Meyer uh, was living in at the time of his death is still in possession of uh, this woman named Janice Cowart. And I'm not gonna I lie believe. to you, man. His movies, I remember, I never really pay attention to dialogue, but, but too busy jerking off to all the women in his movies. You know, that's why to I a remember. Russ Meyer movie, that's almost impossible with all the cutting and. The, the fact that these are all softcore films? No, but I mean, just even like when they're in like a t-shirt or whatnot, uh, just uh, bikini outfits and whatever. I mean, we because it's 2014, it's, it's like there's all, all sorts of stuff available, but... I'm just trying to think of how you could establish a rhythm to Russ's movies because the cutting is so fast in all of his movies. It's hard well, to... I mean, I remember the camera VH... doesn't linger long enough. It's constantly cutting. I mean, I have VHS. I remember taping... Still framing. Yeah, still right. framing, yeah. Very good, sir. Very good. And um, he had a really good taste in those kinds of women, you know. Uh, he's, yeah. uh, I mean, well, if you like big tits, yeah. So yeah. he was tits man, and ended up working for a guy who was into ass butt man. So there, there we go. <laughs> so Jimmy Beck, with, the bottoms. but yes. did, did did Jimmy tell you like what was it like working for him? He did. I mean, Jimmy went. Uh, you know, we I didn't officially interview Jimmy. These were all just casual conversations. Mm -hmm. But Jimmy would tell me about. Uh, what a challenge it was because this was at the onset of the Alzheimer's and a lot of times he was lucid Russ was lucid but other times he would have well we need to go here we need to go to Orange County right now because my sister's in a care facility sure. we need to go and it was completely it may have been true 25 30 years ago yeah but whoever he wanted Jimmy to take him to see was passed away i see so jimmy would indulge him and they would go on these wild excursions like you know they would be driving back from palm desert with a, a delivery truck full of things and suddenly be you know uh jimmy would be ordered to drive in a, a, down the five towards uh 
I don't know, Santa Fe Springs and exit Firestone Boulevard, and we have to go to this facility. And after like two, three times of doing it, Jimmy just stopped doing it and would just say, okay, you got it, Mr. Meyer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But he would just keep going right back. He, he wouldn't stray from course. Sure. He would just, uh, you know, hum- he would humor Rust as much as he could. I hope I'm getting my facts right on that. But That's fine. You know, these are all, these are just my recollections of, things that jimmy has told me about working for us it didn't last too long and i think eventually i think janice kind of elbowed him out i don't know if she fired him but maybe they just stopped calling him so what's the connection like okay so um uh, jimmy beck introduced possibly russ Myers to mondo video i think he was how how do you get into the picture from there well not at all i mean uh i don't meet them until uh as far as that dynamic Mm -hmm. goes uh, by the year 2000, I had moved back to L.A. Sure. And I wound up moving into that building across the street here on Edgemont. Which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is uh, like April 2000, and I was just looking for a cool video store, and I walked over to Vermont, and there was this store, and I remembered that they were, I remember their name being mentioned when... I was inquiring about the Russ Meyer Festival at the American Cinematheque. I see. And they were either with Jimmy or without Jimmy, they were providing rides because Russ couldn't drive. I didn't know uh, Mondo was on Vermont. I didn't know that. It was uh, several locations on Vermont. I was there when they were there in their last spot. But they had started in San Pedro, and according to... Which is not really fashionable, let's be honest. It's not. And because of the type of store they were, and we'll get into that... Mm -hmm. uh, According to Christine Schaffner, Rob's ex-wife, who started the store with him and his brother, Christine said they didn't get it, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, meaning the, the the clientele just didn't quite get it. You know, they weren't in there looking for Ray Dennis Steckler movies, no, Russ Meyer films. So they relocated at some point in the early 1990s on Vermont, and I think they were Vermont at the time uh, wasn't this hip kind of enclave that it is now. As it's I really told. hip right now. It mm. was a, it was rougher. What what is it like? Uh, Sober Lake area. This well, Los Feliz. Los Feliz. Los Feliz. And, uh, and for those of you who don't know L.A., Los Feliz is really fancy now. In fact, uh, world famous Leonardo DiCaprio is from this area. He 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 grew up. Right. His grandmother used to live here too. So you've got the Dresden, which has a whole scene there. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, key scenes and swingers was filmed at the Dresden. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen the movie. Um, John Favreau's great 90s indie swingers. A lot of key scenes were filmed there. Yeah. Uh, it's not uncommon to see. Uh, the cool thing about it is it's like real Hollywood. It's low sure. key. It's not as touristy. There's some cool bookstores. There's Absolutely. some nice restaurants. Uh, some places have changed hands a number of times. And then there was Mondo Video, which uh, stuck out like a sore thumb, but in a very good way. Now, before you continue your first experience going there and, and get detail, but I want to tell them, so they want they were trying to figure out why is this so fucking important. I only went there one time because um, I'm a fan of a show called Opie and Anthony Show. My friend Jim Norton, the great comedian Jim Norton, works on the show. And they used to this this thing called a WOW, which stands for, uh, um, oh, wow. Why am I forgetting? Basically, WOW is uh, whip them out. Wednesdays, where they take pictures of girls showing their tits. So I heard that, um, I heard a little bit of Mondo video, but they were saying they were filming this uh, porn called Midnight Prowl, where they were bringing a porn girl, and all the guys who are there as a customers 
have a chance to get your dick out, dicks out, and get your dick sucked. And uh, I figure, like, I'll go there. And uh, when I got there, they took my driver's license pictures and stuff like that, thinking I'm one of those creeps that will stick around, get my dick sucked, whatever. But um, somebody spoke on my behalf. I think Rob might have been. He's friend with Rick, who uh, is the the guy who owns the cat I lost. He or somebody at the Evil Angel told me, like, hey, go down there. They're taking, you know, filming girls, getting, you know, giving bunch of blowjobs. You could take topless pictures of her. And I was there. She was an attractive girl. And I'm not going to lie. I, I wish I have the guts to take my dick out, get my dick sucked while they're filming it. But I was, I, I, I don't want to cross that line. So anyway, I went there, took a picture. The whole time I'm trying to get a picture of this girl with topless, there was contusion, correct? Contusion, Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan. Probably the funniest. Or porn. Frank, his brother Frank, excuse me. Um, the One of the funniest porn comedy duels. I mean, they're, they're just funny. I mean, they say a lot of funny stuff. Made me laugh. They're, me, they're cruel. Contusion is very cruel. I've talked to them before in my podcast. Pure evil. Yeah. But funny. Funny. So, a bunch of strangers. Um, they just have to prove they're 18 years old. They don't even have to prove they're HIV positive because they're just getting blowjob and you just come on the girl's face and tits and whatnot. So the whole time I'm waiting for my turn to take a picture of a girl holding this bumper sticker for Opie and Anthony, all of a sudden I felt this presence, this energy that I didn't like. As I'm waiting for the girl to let, let me take a picture, Jimmy Beck, how would, how would I say this? I'm standing like this. His face was facing this way. And he was just staring at me the whole time, right? I mean, his face was so close to his my face ears. Face was practically pressed up against your right cheek. Yes, and I get look the visual. Yeah, I look like, oh, you know, like I don't know. He looks weird. He kind of looks like he's a uh, close talker. Yeah, he he kind of reminded me look like uh, if Hannibal Lecter had a retarded brother, he will look like him. <laughs> and I think I think Jimmy Beck was he's such a smart, brilliant guy, but uh, he liked making people uncomfortable. And I think the only reason um, he did that because he saw me wearing Evil Angel T-shirt, and he's a big fan of porn. Maybe even Rick maybe maybe, maybe mentioned to him about me. I have no idea. He made me uncomfortable. He was a clearly funny guy, but just I just didn't like the vibe. Anyway, I took the picture, got the fuck out, regretting. You know, maybe I should have put out a mask and get my dick sucked or whatever. But I left, and uh, that was the last time I. That was the first and last time I was a Mondo video. But I do know people tell me a lot of crazy. Evil things were done in there. That's the reputation after I heard after that. I should say the uh, the midnight prowl was part at the uh, at the onset of the interview. I mentioned that there were a lot of cultural shifts within Mondo itself. Sure, like the scene changed. It was always about the outrageous. Yeah, the outrageous. For sure, it was always about outrageousness and bizarreness. But it by the time the midnight prowl stuff started coming in was toward the very end of the store and by then it had the scene kept mutating and shifting sure. from lovable oddballs and then it just got kind of nasty and confrontational and evil and gross and yeah it it definitely went in a which was still very interesting but this was by the time the store had relocated to Melrose where it it kind of hung in there for five unnecessary years and, and um, it was crazy because they're next to like a pizza parlor or something yeah. and I, the day I went it was almost like there were so many family members going into that pizza place and spending quality family time, not knowing there must have been 10 to 15, maybe 20 guys, creepiest guy you could possibly find in Los Angeles, getting their dicks sucked, 
by this porn girl and uh, Jimmy Beck of the world were hanging out and doing this all sorts of crazy, creepy shit in there. But I have to say the store was looked messy, but they had they did have a lot of interesting, weird stuff in there, whether books, magazine, videos. Mondo Video yeah. is one of the most incredible places you could ever, you couldn't even imagine it in your wildest dreams. Starting with the proprietors of the store, the objects in the store, the it was it's like a museum that specialized in curating filth, weirdness. All done though, but with a fabulous, fabulous transgressive sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, very transgressive, very funny. Heavily on the shoulders of Rob Schaffner and his tremendous. Charisma. What's his nickname? The Colonel. Colonel, Colonel Rob. Rob. And his father is Captain, Captain Art. Yeah. He outranks his dad. Yeah. Um, but just amazingly colorful, uh, street smart, crazy, confrontational, funny, weird. But by the time uh, the store moved to Melrose, in 2002, they moved the store to Melrose. It was an entirely different neighborhood, an entirely different demographic. It was kind of getting gentrified, right? Well, now that area has been kind of gentrified, but for a several years it was a pretty you know a pretty low low class area a lot of homeless yeah um it just wasn't the right area for them and uh i'll be honest rob pretty much just ignored the store did stop giving a shit and let it all kind of fall to pieces in a very spectacular way but yeah the the one of the things that helped kept keep the store afloat is he you know, had was doing some work uh, in porn, Rob, like running second camera on porn shoots, and um, one way or another was able to get a relationship with Midnight Prowl, with Contusion and Frank Wank, and started letting them use Mondo as ground zero for their very particular brand of gonzo porn, which was uh, taking porn whores in a limousine, picking up guys for these girls to fuck in the back of limos, at the on their way to Mondo, which would be the ultimate destination, where throughout the course of the evening, Rob was also cultivating "quote unquote" male talent, and uh, these would be just customers coming into the store. And it literally was that you know, if you had proper identification and were over eighteen, they were just like, "Hey, you want to get your dicks on?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and you might have, uh, you know, a lot of it wasn't the biggest names in adult movies but you'd have like charlie chase and courtney comes and uh i mean i've seen many i have to say i find those two really attractive the many fact that fine young porn gals many and, fine young and, 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 I, and i also find that um and some not so fine ones i, I find it those guys contusion would take you places that i just question myself as a am i a decent human being for liking this stuff there's there's definitely this reptilian part and i question it because i do like it and he verbally abused these girls i mean verbally maybe not necessarily midnight prowl but i've seen other stuff where i mean i like it but i hate it myself for liking it but he's definitely know how to break these girls and uh groundbreaking movie called Rob Six One and Two with Anabolic, Diabolic. I get those two confused, but it was by Contusion. And you see many of the think techniques that are part of the repertoire for porn these days. But it was like uh, some people say it's it's uh, a crime against humanity. 
I might call it innovation in porn. Uh, you know, like they would put a woman in dog cage or make her shove her head down the toilet or stomp her, step in on a girl's head while, you know, all this humiliation stuff that he did it. And, um, you know, just a lot of this stuff that um, um, it really is revolting at the same time. I can't help but watch those, you know. And um, they did it over there. I think I was there like a year before they shut down. So it was probably like 2006, yeah. a little bit of 2007. Yeah. Halloween 2007 was unofficially like mm -hmm. the last night of business for the store, although it, it lingered for a few more days uh, as it was transitioning towards oblivion. But basically October 2007. But if you're a pervert, I have to say, it, it really was, um, if you live in California, and if you're a pervert, Mondo Video was a mecca for perverts to go. Yeah, I, I think that's not untrue, but... Especially the last five years with the porn stuff. Mondo's... Mondo was about so much more than that, and I think that it's fair to say that in the 90s when Mondo was at its peak, long before I'd ever set foot in there, uh, like George and Melinda could tell you, Oh, so they were going there too? Oh, George worked at Mondo. Oh my God! George worked at Mondo. George worked at Mondo, and Melinda might have too. And George is like one of those most decent guys, you know. But they are um, completely normal. You know, it 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 was kind of a really fun scene. It was always about freaks and weirdos, and you know, a cast of characters like you would see, a, like Howard Stern had cultivated. Yeah. But genuine, real people. Nobody, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a plastic kind of. These are all genuine oddballs from all different directions. And Mondo had like a kind of a really cool scene happening. I mean, I think the business was going okay. And they were specializing in so much product, so many hundreds, if not thousands of films, cult films, B-movies. They really had a nice little corner carved out for themselves with specialty movies, hard-to-find films, underground films, large, exhaustive punk section, Lots and lots of bootlegs, lots of Gigi Allen stuff that you just couldn't find anywhere else. But the death knell was the beginning of the Internet. Sure. Once people started to be able to communicate with each other, I've got this collection, that whole market above and below board started to thrive. And over the years, DVD, cat, DVD became a success and... Uh, within a number of years, you started to see a lot of things that nobody ever dreamed would be Available. on DVD. Never, and it was a gradual march towards extinction for VHS. And now, of course, we've had several more revolutions in the ensuing years. So now you have uh, over and above the reach of DVD. Now you have the torrenting sites. You have official channels yeah. for streaming movies. So... Uh, just to make a very long, convoluted, and boring point short, if I wanted an incredibly rare, hard-to-find Ray Dennis Steckler movie, exploitation filmmaker of the 60s and 70s, or Al Adamson, or Paul Nashi, or Herman Robles, these cult directors, you'd have to send, you know, you know, you'd have to really do some searching or spend a lot of money. Well, there was a time for a few years where you could walk into Best Buy and get, get it on DVD looking better and sounding better for like 10, 15 bucks. You know, so Mondo's niche that they had carved out for themselves as the years went by had less, made them less and less special. And uh, now 
even these boutique labels for DVD that do wonderful restorations on movies, even they can't survive because of torrenting, le- illegal sure. torrenting, and legal streaming. So now it's it's extinct three times over for three entirely different sets of reasons. But Mondo, and so Mondo, in addition to being a video store that catered towards the most exotic, the most niche stuff, cult, what have you, it was also a scene. There was also a, a, a constant revolving door of weirdos, friendly ghouls, freaks. It was, but in, in, all in a very unforced and and kind of relaxed way because they weren't, Robin and his brother and his wife weren't about being politically correct. It was, no. It, there was no political correction there, but yet everybody was treated treated very well, even though you'd be, you know, people would be in the store like Goddess Bunny. Who's Who? this? Uh, Goddess Bunny is uh, like one of the first Mondo superstars. A, a horribly afflicted. I'm not sure exactly what the affliction is, but um, I can only say, and you know, it's going to sound very unkind because I don't know the clinical terms, but like a a mutant transvestite. <laughs> it is literally. It's a wheelchair yeah. bound. Although it's not exclusively confined to a wheelchair, I say it because I don't know if it's male or female. I believe it's a man that's been a transvestite, but it is it. It's a mutant. The goddess bunny is a mutant. There's YouTube clips. And there was a star system there at Mondo. And they had the goddess bunny's wedding in the backyard. They would have special events throughout the years. One Gigi Allen did an in-store record signing. Gigi Allen was there? One time. He did an in-store record signing. And there's. Can you quickly explain to people who were too young to know who he was? Well, I mean, Gigi was a shock punk rock artist who'd spent... Uh, a lot of time in jail when he wasn't on the tour on tour with his band. But then he eat shit on stage. Yeah, well, he did a lot of uh, outrageous broken glass, you know, roll around in broken glass on stage, take a shit on stage, throw it at the audience. Very confrontational. Uh, a documentary, a long form short documentary by Todd Phillips. By Todd Phillips came out. Was it Todd Phillips or Todd Haynes? Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. The the guy that did uh, old school. And uh, uh, um, a whole bunch of movies, right? Yeah. Uh, why am I forgetting the movie with Zach Galifianakis and Brody Stevens? Uh, Hangover one, two, and three. Oh, is that Todd Phillips? Yeah, and that Todd Phillips. That and I think if I remember, Gigi Allen movie is still is one of the, if not the highest grossing documentary with uh, with the college students. It's great. It's called Hated Gigi Allen. Yeah, the murder. It was guys. great, and I didn't know who he was, and because I worked in porn. They they mentioned him a couple of times, and I think Rick Hall told me like, oh, if you want to see a crazy guy doing crazy stuff, like almost like a uh, brotherhood with porn, like Gigi Allen, you know. It's uh, really funny. He's a extreme figure. So definitely. Uh, anyway, he did. A, he anyway, did an no surprise hearing somebody like that, Mondo. Now that I think about it, and uh, yeah, yeah, he did an in-store there. But you know, to Rob's credit, he really created a scene. He shot a couple of. Um, independent porno movies yeah and he cast real porn talent but he populated the cast with mondoites not just mondo customers but uh, not just mondo employees but mondo customers sure uh there was a real sense of family i mean uh, and kind of like the manson family yeah but not quite as uh, brutal there it, yeah he just it was just a real collection of nutcases i guess the closest uh Picture in your mind, like John Waters, 
and his cast and crew, like the people that he populated sure. his films with, you know, the the eccentrics, the oddballs, but I, they're I'll all kind of lovable in their own disgusting way. So, so tell me, Russ Myers, Jimmy Beck, um, you heard about uh, Montevideo. So when you went to the one in Vermont, what was it like your first time going there? I can't really remember exactly what the first time was like, but mm-hmm. there was, you mentioned there was like a palpable kind of atmosphere sure. in there. And that's definitely true. And I wish I could illustrate that a little bit better. In, in Is it 99 or 2000? It, this would have been 2000. Okay. I got a membership there within the first couple months I lived in the area. And when Rob was running the store, there was a definite and distinct vibe when you walked in the store. It was a small store. The square footage couldn't have been couldn't have been too much. It was a long, narrow store. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't too wide to the left and right. You were flanked by bins of, of, of VHS, um, well, the cardboard sleeves for sure. the VHS tapes. And DVD, they might have had a very small section of DVD at the time. Over the years, they would add a few more. Sure. Um, but there was a definite vibe when you walked in the store. You could sure. feel it. It wasn't necessarily a positive vibe. It was, sure. It was just like, wow, this is weird. It was It was humorous. Sure. But Rob, uh, and Rob was holding court behind the counter chain smoking so he's kind of like a ringleader of the Mondo oh absolutely the ringleader mm-hmm. the ringleader and uh and you know the the store was filled with his presence sure the walls were filled with posters many of them filthy torn but you know things were just randomly thrown up it's like it was like a, a, there was no order or continuity to anything but the order and the continuity was that everything up on the walls was transgressive there was you know it was a maybe a generic poster for an old 30s birth of a baby movie with 80s porno posters haphazardly tacked up there everything was crude nothing had any organization to it and then you'd see a row a jar of fetuses for um you know different little animals inside these mason jars and oh just you know spice girls posters that looks like they had been on the interstate run over by 18 wheelers for six weeks filthy like just haphazardly you know lots of lots of ironic stuff posters for olsen twins movies right next to posters for russ meyer movies charles manson parole hearing video cassettes (laughs) for sale you'd look in the racks for sale and you'd see things like you'd, you'd see the spines of the vhs tapes and you'd see a row of pornos and then and then you'd see uh, a Mr. Rogers talks to children about dinosaurs tape sandwiched in there. And then you'd see his tape that said, we never went to the moon. Yeah. Like anything you can think of, uh, movies about, documentaries about, that people made in their basements, no, no doubt, about Nazi UFOs, conspiracy stuff, and of course every, every type of pornographic transgression you can imagine. The categories were really... The store was like a comedy store in its own right because Rob had such a a rich and vibrant sense of humor there was jokes within jokes within jokes the cat the cards labeling the sections for he had sections within sections within sections he didn't just have like a section of of like okay these are b movies from the 50s these are b horror movies no 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 he had the categories were so meta he he would have categories called booze and dope uh juvenile delinquency lustful midgets and some of the more twisted ones, gummy grannies, you know, porno movies were with older women. He'd call them gummy grannies. Uh, 70s Bush, movies with a lot of 70s porn with a lot of wild, untrimmed beavers. 
and it just went on and on and on. I mean, it was it was crazy, and it was filthy. It was absolutely filthy in the store. Uh, soot over everything because Rob chain smoked, his wife chain smoked, and everything was just kind of randomly thrown. There was graffiti like from employees, and it, it was a scene like you remember the Stern show back in the in the nineties. Howard Stern show, mm-hmm. yeah, where the where the ra- the whack pack they would goof on each other. There was all these cultures where you know everybody would goof on Gary. Well, to a certain extent, that existed too at Mondo, where you know. People would come into the store and gossip about other people that worked at the store. It was a soap opera. Customers were, you know, the the, the store staff would gossip about customers that would come. What outrageous behavior did so-and-so do last night? What outrageous behavior did that So it was do? really encouraged. But how long did it take you to re- make you realize this is, like, different from all the other places? Well, right away, I, I can't remember exactly, but I would I went into the store a few times. Just to get my movies, because mm-hmm. I was there for very specific reasons. And I remember one of the first times I went in there, uh, Rob's like, our 4th of July barbecue's coming up, our transvestite barbecue. <laughs> right. And it's like every, and the, the thing was, all the male customers are encouraged to come dressed like women. He says, yeah, 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 come, come, you know, dressed as a transvestite and you get a free weenie. And um, I didn't go to the one in 2000. I went to the one fo- the following year, which turned out to be a historic event. It took me about a year. I got it right from the start, but it was about a year until I started hanging out. It became a destination. It became a, a hangout, a place I would go to to talk with people, have a few laughs. Before I, you know, it, before it was just about going to get a movie and leaving the way it would be for. Wait, anybody hold on. But anyway. what do you mean? Hist- why is it historic? What happened that following year? The following year, Fourth of July, two thousand one, was the night that I met Billy Ween. Oh, who is arguably? <laughs> oh my god! And uh, I remember you talking about we talk about him at the the L.A. King hockey one. But yeah, let's uh, for those of you who haven't heard about Billy, go ahead. I'm, I'm well. He I'm, is the uh, he's the Michael Jordan of Mondo Video. Other great ones had come before him, but he is he's going to go down as and even Rob told me this as the most outrageous of all Mondo Video family members. And what a great irony is he never even bought a membership there. We'd all been members at one point or another. Wait, wait. There's a membership? Well, you know how video stores, they have Oh, oh, I see, I see. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. they would press. There there actually was a a grain of legitimacy to their cards. And I remember their cards were handcrafted by Chris, and it would say... Mondo video a go go and it would have your number and your name and above your name it would say in loving memory of before your name was on there in the yeah. like maybe a little cartoon outline of a tombstone and that was your yeah you it was like twenty dollars lifetime membership and you had to have it backed up by a credit card but oddly enough Mon uh, Billy was not a full fledged member. Never, he never bought a membership there. He never actually spent any money at Mondo, but because he was uh, the ultimate court jester for Mondo, a challenge to Jimmy Beck's crown, I might add, a challenge. Uh, but because of his transgressive behavior and his outrageousness, Billy clearly stole the spotlight from just about everyone, and he had some fierce competition. Fierce. All right, so let's talk about Billy for a second. Sure. Um, he was a. I never met him. Uh, I've heard about him. In fact, I think Rick was talking about him. But uh, well, these are what I know. 
a, he is a homosexual. He's a tiny little white guy. But even within gay people, he did something that was so outrageous that most gay people even do this, which is? Well, at the 4th of July party, I was there with um, a friend, somebody I'm no longer in contact with, and we were doing something similar to what we're doing now. We were doing like a mobile. We went over there with two microphones and a recorder. Uh-huh. And we were recording the event, the transvestite barbecue. Right. And I distinctly remember this. What kind of dress you were wearing? Go, I didn't come in drag. <laughs> okay. But I walked into the store and I was making a lame attempt to conduct some interviews because even back then, which is now 13 years ago, I knew that whatever was going on at Mondo was worth documenting. So myself and my intrepid friend and I walked over to this barbecue and we walked into the store and we attempted to interview Rob. The people are showing up and the you know things are getting going and Rob said, you don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to Billy. Talk to Billy. So we went in the back and somewhere somebody introduced us to Billy and he was this scrawny, strange skinny uh, you could tell right away something was wrong with him he wasn't particularly outrageous in his behavior but his he was odd wasn't really short but he wasn't tall he was balding he, he was just very strange little guy very strange but not unfriendly mm-hmm. and the reason that we're there to meet strange people and interview them and any direction you look, you would see strange people. Captain Art was there sure. in full battle dress. Uh, a whole variety of interesting and unusual people were there. Jim, Jimmy Beck was there. And I was just now getting to know people a little bit better. Sure. And I interviewed Billy. Somebody said something to us ahead of time. We interviewed B- Billy, and he said that he liked to eat shit. Yeah. And, of course, we didn't believe him. When, when, we, when we say stuff about people... We're joking. We don't mean it. But how did you confirm the fact that he ate shit? Well, it did he got, eat shit? In, it, uh, it was. It, it's hard to remember exactly how the confirmation was achieved, but he had made some videotapes in New York, which is where he's from. Right. And you know, within a short period of time at, at Mondo, they were showcasing these tapes. Billy had brought them in, and. He, he became an overnight sensation at Mondo. Probably the same way that... So you've seen it? You actually saw Billy eat shit? Oh, I've seen it many times. I've seen this, I've seen this video. Does he eat his own shit or somebody else's? No, well, he's involved in... Uh, I can't believe we're talking about this. He's part. involved in a group sex scene mm-hmm. that was filmed. And it looked like it was a couple of sex... It was... You know, these are amateur pornos of, of, the, of gay men getting together... And having sex, they're having sex, and there's shit involved. There's scat involved. And Billy's, Billy is at one point seen under um, one of these portable toilets. Oh, my God. While these old men are shitting on him. Oh, my God. And he's naked, and he's jacking off, and it is absolutely, positively the most revolting thing. We all live in the Internet age. We're all a keystroke away from seeing heads chopped off, people mutilated war and destruction of every type of imaginable but even this i i am i've seen some sick stuff on the internet because i wanted to or accidentally for a whole variety of reasons but i've never seen anything this is still the tops this is still 
Right. This is right at the top in terms of actual disgust. Like you cannot believe what you're seeing. It is, it is unbelievably revolting. And he was celebrated at Mondo. He was celebrated because of his ability to. Uh, he just didn't care. And this was. He he had so many philias. He was a man of so many perversions. I mean, he like as long as it was with men, he was into armpits, feet. Urine, spit. It really is. He's really truly remarkable. You could distill about a hundred sexual fetishes, and that that would be what Billy was. But I got confused. Wasn't there? Maybe it wasn't Billy. There was another guy, old guy that go to gay bars, literally like sit in a stall and have guys piss in his mouth. Now that I don't remember. That was the story that I told you at the end of the Kings one about. That was un- that didn't have anything to do with Mondo. That was an experience that a f- a, a former ah co-worker, so it is a somebody different. No connection to Billy at all, unless there was something about Billy that I told you that I misattributed to him. But mm-hmm. Billy had done these videos in New York, yeah, and he brought them out here, and he was showing them to Mondo, and he was immediately accepted into the family. <laughs> he would hang out at Mondo, <laughs> yeah, and he would go up to customers. Young guys, you know, Mondo gets a clientele. What do you, what would you expect? Young people, hipsters, punkers, wise asses. Something that this town has plenty of. People that get the joke. It was like a hip crowd, a young mm-hmm. crowd. And Billy could get away with it because of that type of crowd. People obviously, when you factor in, you know, it's this ultra hip video store with all these underground oddities. You've uh, he was the perfect fit for the store. He was like the mascot of the store. If Jimmy Beck was the court jester, Billy was the mascot. And Billy would go up to the customers while they were shopping. If it was a young guy, and he would say, "So he making proposition to you're them? pretty hot, right?" Well, he would do it in such a goofy kind of way. You know, people would just laugh and walk away. And he he could reel it in a little bit. Like he wouldn't just go up to a stranger and say, "I want you to." piss in my mouth and I want you to shit he wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. but he would say you're pretty hot right let's go out what's your number what's your cell oh but he would literally approach anyone and he was a man of no inhibitions whatsoever at one point he he never got punched in the face there uh at the time he pissed off another not an employee but another what they call mondoite Mm -hmm. somebody (laughs) uh this uh a friend of mine actually I haven't seen him in a long time but Alaric Alaric uh, was a guy, big black guy, nice guy, spent a lot of time at the store, uh, customer, friend of Rob and Chris's, and Billy was just annoying him because Billy would just go into Mondo and spend hours there hitting on guys and, and doing, you know, like a court jester. Like Rob's there for eight hours. He's bored. Entertain me, Billy. Entertain me. So Rob would sit there chain smoking. There'd be two or three customers in the store looking through tapes, and Billy would be talking about his sexual peccadilloes, his fetishes, or just annoying people to amuse Rob. And he started annoying Alaric, and Alaric got up and I think punched him. Or th- and Alaric's a big guy. He, he punched built- him? Well, I don't know if he punched him. I wasn't there, but he, he, he gave him a good shove. He gave him a pretty good shove. And, uh, you know, was able to successfully deliver the message to Billy, like back off, mm-hmm. like you know. Did I he back off? Yeah, I don't know what Billy said to him, but Billy was annoying him, and uh, I can picture Alaric Nasty. And, I ain't gay. I ain't gay. Mm-hmm. Get away from me. I ain't gay. Um, Alaric's a good guy. I haven't seen him in a long time, but Billy, 
Yeah, Billy had that way. He's a little weasel. You know, they called him the worm, Billy the worm. Billy Pissgums. They sometimes called him Billy Pissgums, too. And he, went, he, and he went worm into another man's asshole. Really? He would if he could. Yeah. And he literally was obsessed with it. It's all he talked about is, you know, I, I want this from that guy. I want that. And it was incessant. He would he would just go up to all these guys. guys that were, and there was young guys that worked at the store that were thoroughly amused by Billy. So they'd spit on him by request. They'd piss on him by request. This all went this all went on like daily for a couple of years at Mondo. This went on all the time. You I mean you literally could walk into Mondo and you might see a grown man three o'clock in the afternoon in a video store spitting into another guy's open mouth. Not pissing on him, but yeah. you know, that happened later in the back room. And uh right away I mean, how long did it take before you guys became friends, you and Billy? Well, Billy I don't think it was right away. It might have been about a year later. Yeah. I didn't know everything about Billy right away. You know, it was gradual. And he was also not living in L.A. He was going back and forth between New York and L.A. So it was sporadic. And, yeah, I mean, I, w I wouldn't say Billy and I were terribly close friends. Right. But he was... He did find amusing. Oh, very much so. Uh, there was a, a tremendous, I mean, a tremendous wave of disgust at his behavior and shock. I mean, he's a truly shocking person, like with just how unbelievably uninhibited and reckless he was with his own, as I've told you in the past, his predatory sexuality. And, but <laughs> enormously funny, very smart guy, college educated, yeah. uh, compared to most of the Mondoites, those that work there and the customers that hang out, you know, uh, higher level of education. Sure. Uh, very well read, especially compared to the people in that environment. Uh, extreme right wing politics, conservative. His politics were all the way to the right. At least that's what he said. He was but conservative? Then, he was. He was a, a, fittingly enough, he was what you might call a log cabin <laughs> Republican. <laughs> Log cabin is the gay Republican, but the fact that you used the word lug, yeah, <laughs> which is for shit for all the, uh, for those of you who listen oh, to this show overseas. I think everybody knows that. You no, well, you got but we have people in Sweden and Germany listen to this. I so. see. All right, um, you make you make a good point. And uh, yeah, Billy was a tremendously. Uh, well, why would somebody man. eat shit? I never understand. Humi I, uh, Rick told me like it's uh, it's all about humiliation, but. I think that's part of it. I've even heard or read that it is a close cousin to cannibalism. It's a way of consuming another person. It's Are you, you serious? You could almost I don't know how much I don't know how how much merit you want to put in that. I but I I've, I've heard that espoused that notion that it's a form of cannibalism. It's a way of consuming another individual. I don't know where it comes from. Obviously, this is a guy who is profoundly fucked up psychologically profoundly probably a victim of everything you can imagine i don't have any particulars i don't know any details mm -hmm. but an individual cosmically fucked up billy is a cosmically fucked up but he treated his life and his behavior without the slightest hint of self-hate depression 
I mean, he, I mean, it, he was. He just loved it. Yeah, he was. He was the happiest motherfucker I ever met. Is that right? I mean, he was just laughing. He, well, I'm sure he had a dark side, and there's no telling how dark that dark side was. Well, we've already, you know, well, we know it's called Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how sexual, uh, you know. Obviously, who knows what a, a a person like that is capable of doing? But he always was cheerful and funny, and um, he could be unbelievably annoying, and he could be unbelievably disgusting. Sure. But he was a fascinating, he's probably the most fascinating person I've ever met. And he was very proud of the Who fact he that he did these shit movies. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. Didn't you you know. him, but is he Jewish? I, f I, f I don't remember. He's Jewish. I think. You no. said something about, there was something about he talked about his parents or there was a conversation between him and his parents. Was it you or Rick? Or somebody told me about where he was trying to explain to his parents what he did. Am I getting it all wrong? Uh, Did he talk about his parents at I all? I would ask him, yes. I would ask him a lot of questions. Okay. You know, I would interview. It was almost like Frost Nixon. I asked him, <laughs> I would ask reference. him a lot of questions about his past. Yeah. Just because I was curious. And he told, I said. Because I have a lot of gay friends, but none of it are shit eaters. Well, you know, he's, Billy's in a league of his own. It's almost irrelevant what his sexual identification was because he was into philias and fetishes that really don't have anything to do at all with norman, mm -hmm. normal human sexuality whether it's heterosexual or homosexual i mean he's in a he's in a separate category and i would ask him all kinds of questions about his past uh some you know benign generic questions about his schooling but i'd ask him i i would i would ask him about you know, getting into shit. How yeah. was he into that? And how did his did his parents ever find out? And many times he wouldn't answer a question normally, mm -hmm. probably because he was concealing something. It was deliberately evasive. And he said, um, well, uh, I think my father knows I like to eat shit. Oh and God. I said, well, I said, how does he know that? Did you tell him? Um, he ran out of toilet paper? Well... He found a, a tape once that I had. Oh, my God. So you can only imagine. And he was adopted, too, by the way. He was adopted. So I didn't push. You know, he was also, because he was evasive, a lot of times I would pull back. And, you know, if I if it felt like I was making him uncomfortable, I wouldn't ask him any more questions. But it was just so fascinating. Sure. Um, so that was Billy. Um Billy Piscombs. And you saw him. And um, I guess from that point on, Mondo was around another six years. Yeah, Billy uh, kind of left the scene around 2004, went back to New York. And I haven't spoken to him since about 2006. So it's been about eight years. I have no idea if he's living or dead. He has uh, virtually no online presence, as, mm -hmm. you know, using his name. Uh, I was, I've been totally and completely unsuccessful it's almost like he didn't even exist at this point yeah because he has been able to completely i don't know if he's living i don't know if he's in jail i don't know if he's dead i know nothing i don't even know i wouldn't know how to contact him if i wanted to contact him and i don't particularly want to contact him but i hope he's living how did he get along with jimmy beck 
interesting story with Jimmy Beck. Um, Jimmy Beck, being an individual that lives to torment other people, used to kind of pick on Billy mm-hmm. and love to torment Billy because he knew how to push Billy's buttons. And one day, uh, it was an Easter Easter Sunday at Mondo Video, and <laughs> oh my God. they were probably having an Easter egg hunt or something. Yeah. Billy was down there, and Billy had, Billy's parents had just bought him a new car at the time. It was a 2003 Impala. It was a brand-new Chevrolet Impala, and he had, he had parked the car near the store, and Jimmy Beck showed up about an hour later, and he had a sign that said, Happy Easter, and he was hitting Billy with the sign. Mm-hmm. Happy Easter, Billy. Happy Easter. Antagonizing Billy. Well, Billy got so flustered and, and angry, he ran to his car to make an escape. Well, Jimmy jumped in the car and started touching all the buttons. And, well, what does this do, Billy? What does this do? Antagonizing Billy. Well, He was that, literally pushing his buttons. Yeah, He literally was. Billy started punching and kicking and sh- and scratching uh forced jimmy out of the car like he was he just went absolutely insane you saw that no i wasn't okay. there for any of this and uh i'm not sure if he got out of the car but uh they had what could be described as a, f- a facsimile of a fight uh two guys that don't know anything about fighting were in like a girl fight and by all accounts jimmy got his ass kicked and pretty much lost that fight ran home mm-hmm. uh had some scratches from billy digging his long fingernails into him sure jimmy went home billy stayed at the store and of course loving every second of the drama rob had the speakerphone on when jimmy called rob always had speakerphone on when oh his dad God. would call the store yeah. When Alfredo would call the store, when Jimmy Beck would call the store, Rob always had the... Because just to digress for a little bit, walking into Mondo, there was a period where it was so great when you'd walk in there because Rob would be smoking and laughing, listening, having an endless conversation with somebody on speakerphone, and everybody on that fucking phone sounded crazy. It was like the Phil Hendry show, if all the characters on the Phil Hendry show were real rather than Phil changing his voice. That's how vivid these people were. Anyway, Jimmy Beck called the store, and Billy was really flustered. That's when I got to the store. Billy was Billy was quiet and sullen. He, he was sweating bullets. He was Billy was visibly shaken. And Rob was trying to mediate, quote-unquote, and Jimmy was calling saying that, um, I want you have scratched me, Billy. You cut me. I'm, I want you to have an AIDS test. If you don't have an AIDS test, I'm going to sue you. He made all these really pointed threats at Billy and mm-hmm. his parents. He goes, I'm going to call your parents and tell them you eat shit. <laughs> I'm going to send in the video. And he wasn't joking. Thankfully, as far as I know, that was the end of it. Billy, uh, Jimmy didn't follow through on his threats. But Billy was visibly shaken, and that drama was playing out in front of not just other Mondoites and staff members, but also any customer that happened to wander in the store. But you have to understand, this is constant. This kind of circus went on all the time. This was a circus. This went on all the time. And whenever there would be periods where it would slow down a little bit, 
there was always another person in your bullpen you can go to for some freakery, whether it was a goddess bunny or a rocket boy or, you know, people that deserve their own podcasts because there's there's just too much ground to cover. But that's one of the bullet points right there is the whole, so as far as the whole Billy, Billy influence. So after so after a while, Billy was hanging out, doing all kinds of like, uh, not harassing, but hitting on guys. Yeah, it was pretty benign, but it was uh, extremely weird. And, of course, with Mondo, you're going to get the kind of clientele that's going to smile. You know, you're not you're not going into a department. You're not going into Ikea. Sure. And this little scrawny weird guy's coming up to you. His outrageousness was kind of charming in a way. He, uh, of course, he had this scrawny, <laughs> his, his body was really funny. And he was short and skinny, but really scrawny, really hairy. And he would sometimes put on nipple clamps. So you have this scrawny, he looked 10 years older than he, He's in his 50s now. He, he looked like he was in his 50s 10 years ago. And I see. He had this gigantic, bushy mustache that he grew. Sometimes he wouldn't have it. Sometimes he would. And and uh, he would just go up to these customers. You know, somebody would be... Somebody looking, you know, with spiked hair and uh, a nose ring would be flipping through the, sure. the section. And Billy would go up and uh, Billy would just say... You don't have any hair on your chest, I bet. Not like me. And he's there. He's like, I want you to piss on me. He might say something like that. And then, you know, most of the time the person just got the joke. Every now and then he'd weird somebody out. But mostly everybody got the joke. But you'd look at this guy and it was just outrageous. One time I saw him in the store and he's wearing dress slacks. But you could tell that they they hadn't been washed. Oh, and he says that's when he was letting Eric piss on him. And he wouldn't wash him because he was Eric. Eric was another clerk at the store. Okay. And he was saying, well, that's when that's because I love the boy and he pissed on me and I don't want to wash them. I love the way they smell. He was literally walking around in, in pants that had been urinated on by someone else. I mean, Eric probably pissed in his mouth, and that's what trickled down. But that that story was never rated by cops for all this behavior or anything like that? There was a number of close calls. There was... Um, a night of the David Blaine incident, which should probably be discussed separately, because I don't know if I have the energy for it. There's okay. the David Blaine night. The was world a big famous one. magician. Yeah. There was a David Blaine night, and that involved many Mondoites, uh, including Jimmy Beck, who, sure. s who sparked it, and Billy. We'll, we'll get detail later, but yeah. basically, we should come back to that sometime. Though the David Jimmy Blaine Beck night. basically made them angry that they chase after him. Right. 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 And David Blaine was right in the middle of it. Uh, police, yeah, there were some close calls. Mostly it was like generic noise complaints because Mondo would have parties in the back, mm -hmm. uh, punk bands playing. They would so not, the not, they never got in trouble for the porno stuff when they were filming at the bookstore? No, never, because they did, as reckless as they could be, they did take the necessary legal precautions sure. to make sure nobody could see inside, that everybody inside was... You know, had valid ID and was of age. So and they locked the door once that starts, right? Always. Yeah. Yeah. The, again, Mondo, you need an encyclopedia to get the full breadth of all the different types of debauchery and depravity that went on within those walls. It it really was a remarkable place. I mean, I heard about them, but I didn't believe it until I went there, and uh, I kind of regret now that I'm hearing and like maybe I should have spent more time and check it out, but. Um, um, 
it was interesting. Uh, I'm running out of time, but I do want to talk in detail. Jimmy Beckton, we should finish this episode, but we'll we'll talk Mondo video more later on. But yeah, can we? You want to just do a segment on Jimmy and then? Well, well let's, let's talk about Jimmy right now. Then we'll finish for the night. And um, I um, I, I don't know how to quite describe him. He he is uh, medium high white guy, um, bald, bald, and uh, you could see him. In a maybe uh, maybe half a dozen or even dozen episode of Midnight Prowl, and you he, you hear that funny conversation between the pornographer and all the weirdos, and there's Jimmy uh, playing this character, Jimmy Beck. Uh, he's very uh, insanely entertaining. Insanely entertaining. That's a perfect way of putting it. And uh, and um, he's one of those type like you don't become aggressive with him. It doesn't do you any good. You just gotta accept the way he is. Don't make him angry. Just flow with the uh, uh, funny. And, uh, you know, he could be incredibly sweet. And you just go, you, you work with sweet, funny Jimmy, then you will have a good time. But if you don't get it and start arguing with him, he will make your life miserable. He will. He'll, uh, he, he's just an astonishing person. And there used to be a real nastiness to his comedy, as entertaining as he could be, and a maliciousness to it. And there's still... A degree of that, but I think he has kind of calmed down a little bit. He's a lot older now. He is a very aggressive comedian. He's probably the most aggressive comedian, and he can be... I've seen him very confrontational with people, but he's not a big, tough, scary guy no. that can whip your ass. It's not. He's not John Matuzek. You know, he's not a bodybuilder. He's a nerd. He looks like freaking Don Knotts. But he's crazy and he's fearless, and he, and he looks a little odd that you don't know what how he's going to respond to you. Yeah, he's he's a fucking psycho. He's totally psycho, but he is an unbelievably gifted comic. He's so inventive, and he's fearless with his comedy. Unfortunately, he doesn't care. He's not driven for any kind of fame, success, or fame or anything. I, I think he's. He's dabbled in working with producers to try and develop ideas and doing stand-up, but he's just... His comedy is feral. What does that mean? It's wild. Oh, oh Untamed. Yeah. He doesn't... Yeah. He doesn't want... You know, you can't... You can't ask him to try to discipline himself in any way so he could market himself as a comedian, as a comic writer, as... I mean, there's so many different things he can do, but... You know, it seems like he's playing to the same 20 people over and over again. Yeah. But he's enormously inventive, and he is he, he is howlingly funny. And if you hear something from him that's not that funny, doesn't matter. Wait 10 seconds, you'll get hit with something else. He's a tornado of laughs. And, and, and just this odd thing that he does. Like, one of you told me, I think Ricky... Uh, what's Ricky's last name? Annis. Annis. Uh, one of my co-workers at the Evil Angel... He always laughed whenever um, Jimmy Beck would call, and like he just can't stop laughing. It's just because he will say these odd things. The laughter is never forced. The funniness is never forced. I mean, he just like it's so odd that you can't help but laugh. Like, didn't you tell me like he owns stationary products? Like he just co collects. Well, he's a hoarder, but he hoards um, yeah odd office stuff. office supplies, stationary. You know, he, he's his place uh, that he used to live in was. Messy but organized, if that makes sense. I mean, there was way too much stuff for the house, but it was all like very, very clean. There was just way too much of it, so it was it was cluttered. 
but yeah, he has a fetish for office supplies, computer <laughs> products, dollar store items. It's just yeah, he's admitted to me it's an obsession. In in you know he's a con artist, he's a scammer. He's one of the most unique individuals you could ever meet, but wildly entertaining. He will have like an ink for like a printer that doesn't exist anymore. And he'll or have he doesn't own. Yeah, yeah, and um, and the, batteries, tubs and tubs of batteries, batteries for batteries for cell phones, batteries for cameras, standard nine volt batteries, D batteries. It, it never ends. And it's interesting, like um, you know, for for most circumstance, most people are afraid of cobras, right? We are we all are afraid of cobras, but when you have a ferret, not afraid at all. And Jimmy is really not afraid of like a crazy people, evil people, just odd people. He know how to handle people with those really weird psychology. And watching him is really amusing. And like I knew right away, like there's something special about him. And all the stories you guys are telling me, but his speech pattern is funny too. It's just like you just if you're nice to him, it's it's a he's a delightful, delightful man. He's a uh, loud, piercing voice. His voice really carries. Can you do like an example of his speech pattern? Well, thank you very much. Tonight, we want to remind everybody that this young lady and all the people around her, we must give her the respect that she deserves. I don't know. I can't quite. I'm not quite getting it. That's perfect. And she, he will say stuff like this and, and will make this one of the worst pornographers laugh because they're going to do this horrible thing to this girl. But Well, I was just at the dollar store earlier tonight, Steve, and I picked these up. It's an excellent value. Next time you're at the dollar store on Sunset Boulevard right here in world-famous Hollywood, pick up these batteries. And you, look at that, Steve, 12 for a dollar. That's an excellent value. And meanwhile, he's in a porno movie yeah. advertising dollar store products. And there's a scene where he has a gar like a brown bag over his head by having getting his dick oh, sucked in the bathroom. Oh, he's getting a blowjob. Yeah. yeah. And, he's, and he was saying like, like, oh, my. What was it? <laughs> I, I don't remember. I haven't seen that video in a while. But I think he's just kind of contorting himself wildly. If you ever wanted to know what it would be like to see the unknown comic get a blowjob, that's a reasonable facsimile. And and Contagion is like one of the worst people when it comes, uh, just just uh, I mean I like his now, but worst people. But yet he's amused by Jimmy Beck. In fact, there's one scene in Midnight Prowl. They're in limousine, and uh, they're trying to interview the girl. And but Jimmy Beck will quip something really funny and silly that they laugh. And you don't want you don't want girls you don't want pe too many people to laugh because these are the they're in the business of helping guys come. But it it is very amusing, and I highly recommend you guys because he's so much smarter than the people around sure. him, and he's. You know, he's a non sequitur. He's a walking non sequitur. Like, well, okay, why is he in this movie? And, you know, he's he's in the back of this limo where there's a girl that just moments before was eating Mike Sullivan's asshole. He just spunked on her face. They bring Jimmy into the backseat of the limo, and Jimmy's talking about something that he bought at the dollar store in detail. <laughs> yes. And well, I remember two years well, well, like, well, get out of here, you asshole. That's contusion, yeah. Yeah. It's just, Jimmy is just blisteringly funny. I mean, and it's constant. He doesn't let up. I mean, it's just like, he, he drives around town, at least during the years that I knew him. He's no longer in L.A., hasn't been for a number of years. But when he was in L.A., he would drive around not leaning on the horn, but tapping his horn constantly. So people would be looking around because he, he loved to provoke. Yeah. And... Provocateur. Provocateur, yeah. and he, you know, just tapping his horn and, <laughs> like, shaking his finger, like, you know, like, uh, people, like, looking at him, like, glaring with astonished looks, mad-dogging him. He, 
just lived to torment people. And there was a real danger to his comedy. Especially in L.A. And man. who was he playing? What audience is he playing to? Usually it was just whoever was in the car with him. Sure. Rob or me or George or you know, just a small group of us. I mean, his audience is numbers in the single digits most of the time. It's He's really committed to that lifestyle. He should be committed. It's very funny. And um, But he's, he's originally from where? He's from Louisville, Kentucky, which is where he's he, he's back now. And he's living with his mother. He's living with his mom. <laughs> and how old is she? I got to think she's probably close to 80 because yeah. he's got to be in his late 40s, early 50s. And now uh, he moved back, what, six, seven years ago? Not quite that far back. I think it'll be four years. Four years. He I, lived um, in Echo Park near Dodger Stadium. He got a pretty good deal back in the 90s on um, on a house, a rental, mm-hmm. and an older place. But it, it worked out for him. It was the only place that I was aware of that he lived. And it was just packed, floor to ceiling, with lots of memorabilia. Very clean, not like a disgusting sure. house place. But just cluttered, like unbelievably cluttered. Uh, posters for Jerry Lewis movies, festooning the walls. Lots and lots of books, and as I said earlier, lots and lots of office supplies, hoarding of office supplies, sure. batteries. He must have millions of flashlights in there. Flashlights and flashlights and computer things still in the box. Staplers and tape guns and crates. Such a weird crates stuff to collect. Paper clips. Yeah. And crate, you know, and. Just things that he got coupons for. Because sometimes I, I remember getting like a maybe a birthday gift or Christmas gift or something where he was sending me like a stapler or something, <laughs> you know, a notepad. And every time there's some tragic event happened in Japan, he'll Facebook me now. I'm so, so sorry about your family, Fukushima. Well, my family's three or 400 miles and from there. of course, there. he's totally insincere. Yeah. But, it's, but that insincere ins, ins, sincerity is what makes me laugh. You know, it's so funny and... Uh, I think if you're literal Larry, that you have to, if you take everything literally, you get upset by him. But I just think, oh, he's quite amusing. He does all sorts of crazy things. Yeah. And I think I've been to dinner a couple of times with him. But yeah, when, when, when I saw him at Mondo Video with that uh, Midnight Prowl shooting, he keep asking me about, how's Miss Belladonna doing? You know? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, he's obsessed. He's He's a porn obsessive. He's an obsessive about a lot of different subjects, but. And he'll call Evil Angel where I used to work. and um, He'll call. He'll send them mail. Um, he knows a lot about the personal lives of the performers, like mm-hmm. minute details. I think a lot of the time, too, though, he he tends to be very cynical and negative, so he'll, he'll prematurely draw a lot of conclusions. This isn't just in the porn world, but he'll draw a lot of conclusions about a lot of people that sure. aren't necessarily accurate. Uh, because he's enormously cynical, but he does know. He's a walking encyclopedia of pornographic film stars, their personal lives, their real names. Do you think he's um, um, he's stalkery, but he's not a stalker. Do you think he's got Asperger? He might have elements of that because he's very detail oriented. He's a librarian, I'm, right? I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's, he has a degree in library science. Yeah, and that's what he does now. He works part time at a library. That's what he did. He worked for the Los Angeles Public Library. Oh, when he was here, excuse me. I think you're fading. So maybe, maybe um, I'm fading. Uh, but I knew this. This is an mm. epic, and this is just the first chapter of an epic. I mean, uh, so next time, you know, we'll periodically release the Mondo video stuff. I, I don't know. Maybe people won't find it interesting, but I, I find Jimmy Beck 
really interesting. He amuses me. And I think if I, I would love to do a documentary with him or even have a podcast because his speech pattern is so interesting and insincere, but to me it's so sweet. I, I, I always call him Jimmy, you know. And um, He's an amazing person. Yeah, and, and we're not doing the service um, disservice for not having him on the show, but it's, it would be quite difficult. It's... it's um, um, but uh, maybe we'll we can call him sometime. Call him about yeah. on the air, and uh, maybe we can call him, not knowing that he's he's getting the audio uh, recorded. I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, what do we care? Yeah, what do we care? And, We're not uh, working for the federal government. No, and uh, but I would love to talk to him. He's living his you know, eighty plus year old mother in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and uh, wish you contact him. But yeah, Steve, just every time you remember something, jot it down. Next time, bring it up. But I want to hear other characters there because oh, it's I endless. It's I, endless. Uh, Captain Art uh, is the the old man, and I heard him say some racist stuff. Of him, just like, oh, are you kidding? I mean, he's he's you know. the most unbelievably racist. Yeah, <laughs> he is the living. The best way to describe Captain Art is imagine the famous cartoon character Yosemite Sam yeah if he were brought to life he's Yosemite Sam talks <laughs> like him looks like him dresses like him he he really is the living embodiment of Yosemite is he mad are they mad at you Colonel Rob and, and uh, Captain no, Art I, I, I don't I don't know I I don't I don't really communicate with them because there's not really any reason to but I I don't know there's an issue with Jimmy Beck right now, which we probably shouldn't go into. George I, I just, and I talked a little bit about it. So I remember kept, um, sometime you would call Captain Art on speaker, and like he'll yeah. e eventually end the conversation by saying, God damn it, Katani, and he just you know click off the phone. But he wouldn't call me by my last name. Oh, Steve. He'd he be like, yeah. He's like, you and that son of a bitch, Beck. Bam! And he would hang up the phone. He, this, Jimmy, to this day, continues to call Captain Art. Steel? As far as I know, I, I'm sure it's it's settled down a little bit. But sure. I think Jimmy will still occasionally call Captain Art. This used to be an around-the-clock thing for a number of years. Jimmy and myself would call Art because it's just, you know, unbelievable entertainment. I mean, you can't even believe this person exists. He's, sure. He's so ridiculous. He's, like I said, he's Yosemite Sam brought to life, but that's exactly who he is. That's how he thinks. That's how he acts. That's how he behaves. That's exactly... This guy is Yosemite Sam. Do you think um, if Jimmy Beck heard us talking about him, would he get upset over it, you think? Well, so far we haven't really revealed anything that would piss him off. Yeah. And quite frankly, who gives a shit? Yeah. I hope he hears this. Cool. I mean, we've been doing anything but nothing but singing his praises. Sure. But it is true that Billy kicked his ass. Just uh, when you have a chance, just uh, um, Google... Uh, Mondo Video Go Go, and um, sometimes you find like records of like people say what was their experience like. And I remember one guy was saying, "This is the most evilest place in Los Angeles." On and on, you know. And then um, I went there. There is a strange energy there. There must be the ley lines or something. But mm -hmm. There's a strange energy in Mondo. And uh, I was there at the decay portion of the whole Mondo Video. But um, um, I mean, I, I have to say, when I met Rob, he was really nice to me. I didn't know why he was treated so nicely but um I, I saw him i brought him a couple of porn movies for him and to sell at the mondo video that's and, why probably because you gave him some porn and uh, he let me come in when they're filming porn and uh it but it was absolutely the worst and creepiest thing the creepiest people that you met but 
Anyway, Steve, thanks. I know it's been late. I saw you five, four or five days straight. Thanks for doing this. Um, let's talk more about Mondo Video. And uh, this will be part one. And periodically, we'll release something whenever you remember something that's significant. And hopefully, we could talk about David Blaine because that is a very amusing story. Maybe we'll pick up there the next time we, we'll pick up with the David Blaine sure. story. The, the Night of the Fracas with Blaine. So, all right. Uh, thanks, Yoshi. Thanks, Steve. Uh, thanks, Jimmy Beck. And thanks, Billy. And uh, talk to you guys soon. Bye.